This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report. At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys, Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood, and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville, it's time to sit back, relax, grab a cold one, and enjoy the show. The Music City is our state, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down. No strings till the hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it. We're all just trying to make it in this crazy town. Welcome into the door report. It is episode 185. It is a Thursday night, October. The 13th, something about those Thursday night previews, man, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service, growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you are interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue over in Berry Hill, or give them a call at 615-356-0303 or log on to their website at alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 1995. Will, Vandy's got a trip down to Athens, Georgia coming up on Saturday, the number one team in the country, yet another top 10 opponent for Vanderbilt. So, uh, but I want to warn Vandy fans, this is the last, the last team in the gauntlet. And this is the last TDR type of episode like this, where we're going to sit here and, you know, yeah, we're, we're going to, we're going to say it how it is, but we're also not, it's not going to be a beefy episode. It's not going to be an hour long episode for good reason, but will nonetheless, We will give you uh, the prep for Georgia, uh, players to watch on that side. We'll give you our three keys to the game, of course, predictions, as always. And we check in with Palmer Toms, good buddy. He's a Nashville native, covers Georgia for Dogs HQ, courtesy of On3 Sports. So, uh, Will, he was great, gave us a lot of good insight. Not that it's similar to Alabama, not that we don't, you know, already know a lot about Georgia, but I don't know that we know as much about Georgia as we already did about Alabama. So, this one is a little different than Alabama, but not really. <laughs> Take a deep breath, Vanderbilt fans. Just breathe in and breathe out. This is not the game against Georgia last season. Georgia Relax. is not the same on the defensive line. They are really, really, really talented on defense. They are really, really talented on offense. They are the number one team in the country. They are very talented everywhere, but they are not as good as last season. And I think that is a weird thing is having a team that is undefeated sitting at six and zero. they've struggled at times, but they are undefeated with an experienced returning quarterback from a national championship team. And undeniably across the board, I think even Georgia fans would admit this is, this is a step down from last season. Mm-hmm. That's just where you are. And that's a tough right. thing psychologically for a team to deal with. But I think it's funny. You say the gauntlet is over 
for Vanderbilt, it's always funny in the SEC is, yeah, the rest of the schedule is a cakewalk. <laughs> There's only one top 25 team and a top 10 team, top five team left out of the remaining game. So it's easy from here. All you have is two uh, is one top 25 opponent and one top 10 opponent remaining. So, you know, easy, easy sledding is easy pickings from here on out Fun eight game straight SEC schedule, which is just super great. Fun great slash it's always fun uh, with how it goes this year. It's like playing Wake Forest on a year like this. I mean, it's just unfortunate. Vandy, I, you know, I could say and, and argue very well that they have the toughest schedule in the country. I'm not just saying that because we've said that before the past couple of years, but, and it's also Vanderbilt, but the only I, thing like in the analytics that I've found that's going to prevent that is the fact that they played Hawaii. That is going to like any of those that you look at, like if they would have just played a team that's like 90 but they played like one of the bottom five teams in the country. So I don't yeah. know if they're going to be might buying for that bit. top spot. But man, if you remove Hawaii from that calculation, <laughs> they're just, it, just in conference, it's not even close. Vanderbilt has been bent over by SEC scheduling. And there's just no other way to put it. This team this year is just facing something that really you're not going to have to see for the next three to five years, more than no. likely. No. Uh, it's going to be a, it's going to actually be a little bit of a step down now you're still in the sec <laughs> but will i thought palmer said it well i mean it, this is tough for anybody and we've said this before i mean we said it when it started with alabama this is tough for anybody in the country so but will we've got a lot coming up of course full georgia preview players to watch uh, gotta love the shirt there will uh, before we get to breaking news though not i keep saying breaking news the georgia preview don't forget to follow us on twitter at door underscore report and instagram door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel our podcast is available on anchor itunes spotify and google podcast and while you're at it give our podcast five stars and review on itunes all right let's get to the georgia preview no matter what style you're going for you can trust your flooring job to a lock fine wood floors Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Craftsmanship you can stand on. All right, well, let's talk about them dogs, the the Athens Georgia Bulldogs, but Vanderbilt yeah. heads down to Athens. Uh, <laughs> not Athens High School, uh, but Vanderbilt Three and three will 0 and two in the conference uh, as they travel to face number one Georgia, who is six and zero, the defending national champions. It's a two thirty kick. I love the two thirty kicks. There's there's nothing wrong with it. it. You know, you get you have time to watch the eleven o'clock slate, and then you tune in at two thirty. So uh, that'll be at Sanford Stadium. Will a few nuggets here. This is Vanderbilt's first trip to Athens since 2018, so it has been. Just about four years since Vanderbilt's been down in Athens. Uh, third straight top 10 opponent for Vanderbilt, uh, facing three top 10 opponents for the first time since the AP poll was instituted in 1936, which is unbelievable. Uh, Will, I, I think you're going to like this. Saturday for Georgia, it's going to be homecoming. And Vandy has served as the opponent on this day 24 times for Georgia. Georgia's 20-4 and four against Vandy on homecoming, but... But in 2016, yeah. Vandy spoiled Georgia's homecoming. Of Zach course, Zach Cunningham. Yep, Palmer Toms actually mentioned his name at the, uh, towards the end of the podcast, but uh, they edged out the Bulldogs 17-16. to 16. Don't know how possible that is on Saturday, but, well, some interesting this, – this series in the last 10 years is more interesting than people realize. I think even 10 to 15 years, Vanderbilt mm -hmm. and Georgia have played some relatively – 
competitive games. I mean, Vanderbilt, of course, beat them in 2016. They beat them in 2013. I know we're, mm-hmm. you know, dating ourselves here, but um, as of I mean, the that's last, in the last kind of, decade, the last right. 10 years. I mean, I would, I would argue there are not a ton of teams that have uh, three wins against Georgia. I could be wrong. I, I think you're I mean, right. Vanderbilt think- has performed pretty well. It's one of the few matchups that I would say it's a pretty respectable actual win-loss record right. against the uh, SEC opponent. And even in, uh, I think it was 20, either 11 or 12, Franklin's first year, I think, mm-hmm. uh, Todd Grantham, of course, at the end of the game, that the fiasco. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they almost beat Georgia that year. So, um, obviously, yeah, like you said, Will, in the last decade or so, Vanderbilt has has relatively competed with Georgia. Now there's not too many wins, but they have pulled out a few, uh, a few wins there. Uh, Will, kind of early thoughts. Uh, obviously, this is very similar to the Vandy-Alabama matchup. Vandy's, of course, obviously overmatched in this game. I will say this, though, Will. I think Alabama deserves to be the number one team in the country right now. I'm not saying this means a whole lot with this Vanderbilt-Georgia matchup, but if Alabama and Georgia were to play right now, I think Alabama wins uh, simply because they have the better quarterback. I think they have the better overall team. Now that's not saying much with this matchup and, Oh, you think Vanderbilt's going to compete against Georgia? No, that doesn't mean that, but will, I think Vanderbilt also misquoted. I'm sorry. I misquoted. It's two wins. I said two, three. two wins. Okay. So you said three. Yeah, and I was that like, felt Uh-oh. wrong. That felt wrong coming out it of my mouth. It felt way too good so to be I true. I had to fact check it. So I haven't even been listening. I was just like, that didn't sound right. So I had to correct that as soon as possible. Sorry. Yeah, yeah that, that felt way too good to be true. But, uh, <laughs> Will, uh, I said early thoughts. Uh, of course, we just saw what happened with Vanderbilt and Alabama. Um, is it any different? I mean, you know, we're going to get into our predictions, but kind of how does Georgia compare to Alabama? I mean, I think they're very similar. Um, and I think they are the two best teams in the country right now, but I think there are differences, you know, as a, you know, when you look at Georgia, there are differences. There's a difference between Georgia's front seven and Alabama's front seven. I think Alabama's is better. Now, does that come into play against Vanderbilt? Probably not, but well, what, what are kind of your early thoughts initially when you look at this matchup? I mean, I think it's different than Alabama because it's yeah. not a rotational schedule. They're more human just because you're more familiar with them. Right. They'll, you've beat them more recently. I mean, that you've beat them in 27 or 16, 17, whenever, 16. whatever yeah. year that was. They're, yeah, they're all running together now. I'm getting getting old. This 25 <laughs> age is pretty tough. Uh, but tough. you're more familiar. You know it's possible. I, I think last season Georgia came in and embarrassed Vanderbilt. Uh, they've embarrassed them. They was embarrassing when they had to cancel the game. I don't know if there's as much motivation on the Georgia side uh, really from that like there was last year. I don't know how much of that was just created on the outside versus the inside. But I think there's some more interesting things about this Georgia team. Not saying they're not one of the best two or three teams in the country. They they definitely are. But this will be a good measuring stick. I, I think it's yeah. different than, than the Alabama game because you have a real comparison to last season. Last season – you mentioned it or Brian mentioned it in his preview article that that game could have been 100 to nothing. If Kirby smart wanted it to, if Georgia wanted it to, it could have been 125 to nothing. Vanderbilt would not have been able to get a first down against that Georgia defense. And Georgia looked like they could completely score at will. So Mm -hmm. this season is the real 120 on the golf course, the real 110, like what they did against Alabama. Like, you know, the final score didn't look great against Ole Miss. That was obviously better than a 120 or 110 equivalent on a golf course, but that's what you want to do. You want to actually get beat 48 to 10. That's, that's a lot more respectable. That's what Auburn just did 42 to 10 last week. 
a, the goal isn't going to be spoken out loud in the locker room. The goal is always week in, week out. You're never going to have a coach be like in, in SEC college football and say, all right, guys, let's go compete to the best of our, <laughs> like these are guys on scholarship and, and they view themselves and, and they are really, it's just a tiny little notch. Some of the best athletes in all of college football. So, but the real goal is to cover the spread. And the real goal is to have Georgia playing their starters in the second half. I, I think is is real. That would mean that you've competed for a full half against the number one team in the country. And if Stetson Bennett and and the rest of them come out on offense in that second half, then I think you would deem this as a success because I don't think anyone has any illusions of of even the one percent of us going into the Ole Miss game like we had. It's a little different playing that number one, number two versus number nine, and the 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 gap there is mm-hmm. so massive between Alabama and Ole Miss. You saw it week one to week two. That's the same thing. It's just the talent gap, just depth. It's different. Vanderbilt is not near as outmatched against Ole Miss as they are against Alabama and Georgia. But Georgia does have some holes this year. They're not this yeah. impenetrable force like they were last season on defense and in that front step. Yeah, and, and that's what we'll do. We'll kind of talk about some of the you know weaknesses that, that Georgia does have because they do have them. They're, they're not as good as they were last year. Now, they're still the number one team of the country. <laughs> And, you know, because that was one of the best teams in history, at least defenses in history uh, of college football. So, Will, let's talk a little bit about Georgia before we get to our our, our uh, keys to victory. Uh, Georgia leads the SEC in total yards, uh, over 3,000 this year, uh, 517 total yards per game. That's second in the SEC behind Tennessee. So the offense has gotten better after last season. They averaged nearly 40 points per game, and they're led by Stetson Bennett who, Will, it's crazy, his, his number is 20-3 as a starter at Georgia, uh, 1,700 passing yards this year. That's second in the SEC, five touchdowns, only one interception. So, I mean, he is taking care of the football. He does not turn the ball over. Uh, he's dropped down a little bit in terms of production the past couple weeks. Uh, but I think, you know, we asked this to Palmer, Will, I, I think down the road here, if he plays up to his potential, he could insert himself into the Heisman, uh, you know, candidacy. Uh, running backs, Will, They've got three guys. They've got a three-headed monster at running back, Dejan Edwards, Kendall Milton, and Kenny McIntosh. I mean, their depth at running back, it's always good every year. But this year, it's unbelievable. They've got 768 rushing yards combined between those three guys, uh, 11 touchdowns. All three of them bring something different to the table. McIntosh is a great receiver out of the backfield, uh, 250 receiving yards this year. But, Will, their best player, I think, is Brock Bowers. He's the best tight end in the country. Uh, he's going to be, I think, down the road, a phenomenal NFL receiver. I mean, the guy's a freak. They've also got a backup, uh, you know, that that's unbelievable as well. Uh, so 378 receiving yards for Bowers, two touchdowns. But he he is great in the running game, Will. I mean, he's got three rushing touchdowns on the season. He's got. I feel like every time I see a highlight of him, it's on an end around, you know, 20, 30-yard gain on an end around. That's so dangerous with their power run game. At receiver, though, Will, their leading receiver is Ladd McConkie, 313 receiving yards and a touchdown. So they don't have the the, the quote-unquote deep threats that they had last year. They had a guy like A.D. Mitchell last year. He's hurt this year. So Ladd McConkie, he's a good player. But, you know, I don't know that they're as good at receiver as Alabama is. And Alabama's even slightly down. Uh, so that's kind of their offense, Will. Their offense is, is a lot better than they were last year. They were They were good on offense last year, but this year – there's an added dimension with that Brock Bowers running game, Stetson Bennett and his ability to get out of the pocket and, and run as well, Will. So it, this is similar to the Ole Miss matchup because 
you know, they want to run the football as well. You look at Georgia, th that's what they're going to do. They're going to run the football. And then the, when, they, when they feel like it, they're going to run a play action and hit Brock Bowers. So that's the offense. Well, at, when you look at Stetson Bennett, though, I don't, he doesn't scare me as much as Bryce Young does. He, he just, he doesn't. I mean, I know he's a really good player and he's going to execute. Uh, he's going to execute when he, when he needs to. But I think Vanderbilt, there's a, there's a, sm, there's a smidgen of a path to potentially uh, maybe disrupting Stetson back there because he's just not as good as Bryce. Now, their offensive line is unreal. So I don't, I don't expect that to happen. But I, I, I just, I, I look at Georgia. And I, and I say to myself, this this Georgia team is not as good as that Alabama team. Now they may prove me wrong. They they may do that. Well, um, and I'm not saying that leads me to leave Vanderbilt competes, but um, this team, point blank, is not as good as they were last year. But you look at their ranking; they're the number one team in the country. So that that's look, man. I, Stetson Bennett. I understand his stats are phenomenal. You can't discount being a quarterback and leading a team to a national championship. But you put Bryce Young on this Vanderbilt team. This Vanderbilt team wins more games this season. I'm thoroughly confident. You put Stetson Bennett on Vanderbilt or any other team in the country, they win probably the exact same number of games they otherwise would win, and his stats would not be anything close to what they are now. He's kind of like that the old is why he's not an NFL at Alabama. You know, just kind yeah, of he yeah. Just gets it he's, done. he's a game manager. I think he's a little bit more than that. But the main reason that Stetson Bennett doesn't scare me the same way as Bryce Young is just like what we always say. Okay, Stetson Bennett is at his is achieving his peak ability of his athletic abilities right now. This is, this is top end for him. Okay. That is a lot of what Vanderbilt's roster is the rest of this Georgia roster. That is not the case. So anytime you have a player that is not a true NFL guy on Georgia's roster at any position, that's going to be the thing you point to as the weakness of the team. And that's what Stetson Bennett is. You had 15 guys drafted off that national championship team last season. And Stetson Bennett is not an NFL prospect this year. So you have to look at that as one of probably what is going to be included in keys to the game for probably one of us, I would imagine here, is, is disrupting Stetson Bennett. He's only 5'11". Uh, Vanderbilt has a lot of length, a lot of things that I think can disrupt him if they are able to get any type of pressure on Stetson Bennett and, and break down that pocket. Because like you mentioned, even if their O-line is down maybe a little bit like was mentioned and they've had a little bit of trouble at the line of scrimmage, this Georgia O-line is chock full of five stars, four star guys. I mean, and Vanderbilt has always struggled and continued to struggle this season, getting pressure on the quarterback. So mm -hmm. I don't think I necessarily expect it to really have an impact on the outcome of this game, because I think step one is going to be stopping this Georgia rushing attack that averaged seven and a half yards of carry last week against Auburn. So that's step one, but step two, if you can get past step one, which is a pretty damn large task to get past <laughs> would be getting, getting pressure on the undersized quarterback that Georgia has. I mean, it just undeniably, he is undersized at that position, and Vanderbilt is kind of built to to create problems with that. Yeah, it, that's something to watch. You know, we're not sitting here saying uh, Vanderbilt's going to disrupt yeah. Stetson, look out. But uh, there's an avenue for that. There's a pathway for that. Uh, it's like Ole Miss, you know. I mean, if you can stop the run, then you force Jackson Dart to beat you. We're not saying it's going to happen, but there's there's a path for it. So that's something to watch with the Georgia offense, though, Will. Uh, their defense, though, their defense, we've seen this year play really well, 
but we also saw them struggle against a Missouri team defensively. Now, Missouri, you know, we thought, Will, heading into that, you know, we talked about that Missouri-Georgia game. We said this is going to be a good good kind of look ahead for Vanderbilt, how they match up. All of a sudden, Missouri looks like a really good team right now. So with this Georgia defense, Will, despite a record 15 players getting selected in the NFL draft, including five in the first round, which is unreal, they still rank as one of the country's best. Uh, they're fourth nationally in scoring defense at only 11 points per game. Um, in 2021, they led the nation in scoring defense at 10 points per game as well. So, you know, I, I just – there's as much of a talent drop-off in guys they lost last year, it's like Bama, you know, even though it doesn't matter what they lost. It really it really doesn't. I mean, they 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 reloaded, yes – they're not as good defensively as they were last year, but I mean, they're still the number one scoring defense in the country. So, I mean, they're up there still. They're not nearly as good. I mean, no one's ever going to be as good as Georgia's defense was last year. Uh, but Will, something I look at with this Georgia defense, I was astonished by this stat. They only have You're six. Steal my stat. They only have six. The one team ranking below Vanderbilt in it's, sacks. It's, and you it's crazy. It. That was my key one, Billy. <laughs> Let's just get the keys now. No, I'm kidding. Uh, last Christ. in the SEC, though. So, Will, that's something to watch. I won't say much more on that. I know that's one of your keys. Hell, I think that's one of mine, too. <laughs> so, <laughs> Will, but a couple of guys to watch on their defense. Uh, Palmer mentioned this guy's name, Jamin Dumas Johnson. The kid's a sophomore. He didn't play his senior year of high school. I mean, these are the type of guys Georgia has that they insert and then boom, they can compete and, and play well and, and dominate. So he leads the team with 29 tackles. He has two of those six sacks uh, on the season. So I need to watch out for him uh, at the linebacker spot. DB Malachi Starks, another younger player. He's second on the team in tackles, 25. He's got two interceptions. So, Will, they don't – I mean, they're not – they just get the job done. It, it, this whole Georgia team, they're like the old Bama teams. They just get the job done. They're not sexy. They're not crazy. They don't, you know, they don't force a whole lot of turnovers, but they they win games. It's like the, the, the Missouri game. I looked at that. That is a, that's George, the Georgia culture and program in a nutshell. So what? If you're down at half, so what? You're struggling. You're going to find a way to win. That That's the Georgia culture right now. And credit to, to Kirby Smart and what he's built. I mean, he was at Alabama for 10 years. So uh, that says a little bit about it there. Uh, but, Will, you ready for keys? Um, I, I know I just kind of stole your thunder there. But <laughs> their defense, though, Will, I mean, that's their defense is still that good. It's incredible. I, I look at it, and it's like they're still statistically one of the best defenses in the country, even though you lose 15 players. I mean, Vandy – Vandy has had, you know, lost two or three guys to the NFL draft a few years, and then they're like 40 spots worse statistically. That's that's the difference between these two programs, and it hasn't always been that big of a drop-off. That's kind of what Clark Lee is getting back to, Will. Um, but, yeah, Vanderbilt, Georgia, I think defensively that's that's something, another slight thing to watch. Uh, can they get pressure on A.J. Swan? I would expect them to, but to what extent? Uh, does that happen? So, well, let's get to three keys uh, to the game, though. And um, I know I just kind of mentioned yours. I actually, looking at my keys, I don't have that in there. So I'll, I'll let you talk all about those six Georgia sacks this year. Uh, but, Will, I'll start. Uh, for for Vanderbilt, Will, they have had so much success in the run, in the red zone. I was about to say run game. They have in the run game, but in the red zone. It, it's It's crazy looking at their stats. They've scored on all 21 trips to the red zone this season. 
They've converted for touchdowns on 17 of those opportunities, and they're one of only four teams in the country to have come away with points in every red zone opportunity. And, you know, yeah, you could argue 21 trips to the red zone. You know, there's teams out there with way more than that. But that's still, I mean, it's not an all, it's not a bad number at all. I mean, with 17 touchdowns and 21 trips, that's fifth in the country in touchdown conversion percentage. And you've got Ohio State at number one, Mississippi State at number two, Maryland at number three, Purdue at number four, and Vandy at number five. So, Will, there's little stats like that. Like last year, it was the interceptions. You know, I mean, just a ridiculous amount of interceptions. And you look at that stat, and you're like, oh, they're pretty good defensively. But you look at deeper analytics and kind of the players they have, and, oh, it doesn't add up. So, you know, I don't know that this really adds up in the win column. But, I mean, your losses have come against three top ten teams. So, Will, I look at – this isn't just in this game. This is down the stretch of this season. You, you've got to continue the success in the red zone. I don't know that – did Vanderbilt get in the red zone against Alabama? Maybe once on that field goal, maybe. I don't know if they crossed the twenty. That's good I, yeah. I I don't think so. Um. So that's you know that's okay. You don't get in the red zone against Bama. Let's try to see if we can do that against Georgia. You know, and I'm not going to sit here and say it's possible, but that's kind of a reasonable bar, at least from a fan's perspective. In this game, let's get in the red zone. You know, and and, and let's score like you've done. I mean, Vanderbilt in the red zone will one of the best teams in the country. And it's crazy looking at that stat, but in their wins, you go back and watch the highlights of those games and full game replays as, as we have this year, and you see the success in the red zone against Wake Forest. When they're in the red zone, they scored. And, and against Elon, they scored. Against Hawaii, of course. We know what they did against Hawaii. So, well, in Northern Illinois as well, especially in that second half, they finished drives. Now, you know, you could sit here and say they're they're not – um, they're not getting into the red zone at a clip that these other teams in the country are, but at the same time, you get in the red zone no matter how many times you do, and you're converting at that clip. It's really good. It's really good. So, Will, I, you know, I, I'm not. I don't know that they make it to the red zone. I love how that's what we're talking about. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, if they do, Will, see if you can punch it in there against the Georgia team and, and put a touchdown on the board, because I think that's kind of an added challenge. I'm not saying Clark Lee's sitting in a locker room telling his guys, "Hey, let's score a touchdown." But as a, from a fan's perspective, I think you put a touchdown up on the board against Georgia, that, that's something to say because I don't know that many teams will, will do that. I mean, Oregon didn't do it. Auburn barely did it. So I, I think for Vanderbilt, a reasonable bar in this game is put a touchdown on the board. Put a touchdown on the board. That means you get in the red zone and you convert. You keep that success going. And maybe that helps you continue it on the road against Missouri next week and then South Carolina and then Florida. Tennessee. So I think this game will, it's, it's a nice little measuring stick before you get down the stretch of your SEC schedule and, and some more winnable games. You're able to play against a Georgia team and say, okay, here's where we are. So, Will, I, I just, I love that red zone stat. And we haven't, you know, I didn't mention it last week, but this week I said, okay, I, I got to mention this. So number one key to this game, Will, keep that success going in the red zone, because I think not only in this game, it'll help you be competitive, but down the stretch of this season, just keep it rolling. Keep that momentum going and, uh, and see what you can do. See what can happen. So, number one, Will, continue the success in the red zone. I like that. And I'm going to go exactly as it is written here as I hold this up. And number one, key, <laughs> capitalize on opportunities. And that is going to yeah. be because of the one stat. I have some stats associated with each one of these. But Georgia is number four in the country 
in uh, opportunity in red zone opportunities per game. They are only giving up 1.8 trips inside wow. 20 per game. That's better than last, the season before, which was 2.1. Now, some of that has to do with they haven't really gotten into the meat of their SEC schedule yet. So you'll see more that that number slowly increase. But you mentioned that they need to convert once they get inside the red zone. That is 100% true because this game and Vanderbilt covering the spread is going to be those one to three, maybe four in a dream world. I know we're talking crazy getting into the red zone four times. Yeah, just going insane. (laughs) But punching, punching in those opportunities and actually having an opportunity to have those opportunities. And I'll get to that in my key number three, but key number one is going to be once you get into those red zone trips, those red zone trips are like gold. And especially as you get into SEC play and continue to go through SEC play and more winnable games, continuing what you have done, they're aggressive in the red zone. They haven't maintained that conversion percentage by accident. They've gone for it in situations that that might have hurt that overall conversion percentage stat in the red zone, but it made sense at the time of the game. So don't don't be too conservative just trying to put points up on the board. I like what they did against Alabama. Get that field goal up early. There's just something about having any number up on that scoreboard <laughs> that would just be an improvement from last season because, man, Billy, I've set through some tough games at Vanderbilt Stadium. And I'm going to say Vanderbilt Stadium because all of them have been prior to this season, the really toughest ones. But, man, it's hard to to recall a worse, like really worse beatdown than what Georgia did to Vanderbilt last season. So this team definitely has motivation to come out and prove a thing or two that they are improved from last season. This is a direct measuring stick versus Alabama, which you're kind of – like, yeah, we played them five years ago. Last se- You played this team last season. And the season before, you had to cancel because you didn't have enough players. So if you want to talk about a step and just keep improving is can't play because you don't have enough players and you have a female kicker, uh, fire coach, improvement step, you field a team and you have a male kicker from Alabama. So that's big and improved. And then another step forward would be actually putting points up and, and having Georgia really have to compete and maybe just giving that little bit of an instance of a flashback to that Missouri game they had before. And the, and the kicker on this next step this season, he's gotten even more Jack. So you're like moving further <laughs> He's and even further more of a man. Yeah. Yeah. It's like next time they're going to have like a lumberjack coming out <laughs> with a full beard, just to be like, this is not a female kicker. So, but yeah, key number one, capitalized uh, on opportunities. We're getting late. It's no, getting, it's getting late. You can feel it deteriorating, baby. <laughs> well, you lead me perfectly into my second key to this game for Vanderbilt. Huh. And how about that? We're all about transition. Huh. Well, we all know what happened last year. It was a 62 to nothing demolition at your home stadium. And, you know, I'm not saying we didn't expect that because, quite frankly, I think a lot of us did. Uh, I mean, that's, that's kind of where that team was. Uh, but, Will, there's, there's a sense of this season, go out there and show that, that you're not in the cellar of the SEC. Go out there and show that you have taken that step. And, you know, if you're Clark Lee, put up that score. Go to ESPN.com, print out that page, put up that 62 nothing score on the bulletin board. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's done this. I mean, Clark, I, I, he's, he's about this type of, of bulletin board material, and he, he'll do anything to motivate his team. 
And I think that's what would be good for this team to not harp on last year's game, but look at it and say, damn, let, let's, we're not, that's not who we are. You know, that's not who we are as a team. And that's not what we're going to be about in the future. You know, that that's not what Vanderbilt football is about. You know, we, we're not 62 points worse than Georgia, you know, and I don't, you know, last year, maybe you were, but it's a new year this year. And you look at where you are as a program this is an opportunity to take a step, take a step forward. Every game is another step forward you can take. And I know we go into these previews of Alabama or Georgia and we say, you know what, it's a wash, you know, and, but no, I, I do think it, no matter who you play, there, there's a chance to take a step forward, improve and get better as a team. So, well, I, I think this is the second key is more about last year. And I know, you know, nothing's about last year, but, for this team this season, you look back, that's where that's what the bar is. I mean, that that's where that's last year, that's what you've done. And as a fan, you know, we look at that. So we'll take a look at that 62 nothing score and use that as as a little bit of motivation. Yeah, you're going on the road to play an SEC team, the number one team in the country, but you've also got a pretty damn good quarterback and you know, sitting there in shotgun, a good receiver in Will Shepard, and a workhorse at running back. You can do some things offensively. You, you really can. If this offensive line holds up, you know, like they did early in that Ole Miss game. Ole Miss is a top 10 team. And I know they're coming out of their bye week, but will this team, I'm not saying we are underestimating them. I think the rest of the country is, is underestimating this Vanderbilt team. I honestly believe that. I really do. And it took me a while. It took me a couple weeks after Hawaii. I was still, eh, I don't know. It's Hawaii, but you know, you still look at that Hawaii score, and you so you say to yourself, they couldn't do that last year. So, you've it, it's it's they've done enough this year to tell me, will they can go down and win an SEC game down the stretch? But this is a great barometer. So, well, number two key for me is, um, you know, let that last year's game motivate you. You know, let that take you down to Athens in front of a sellout crowd. I've, I've heard there's going to be a bunch of red down there. Um, and will just, just play your heart out and, and, and use that as motivation. So I thought you led perfectly into it. Um, and, and that's why we've, we've talked about motivation. Will all Clark Lee, his, his motivation job at least is, is not too hard this year. I mean, you got, you can look at last year, every time, I mean, Missouri, you, last time you played at Missouri, what happened? I mean, some, some pretty, pretty awful things and embarrassing things happened. If you're Clark Lee, you can point to that. So, and against Georgia, you can point to last year's game. So, well, there's a lot of motivation. And, and, you know, like you said, this probably won't tie into how this game goes, but how this team looks on the field, effort, co competition-wise and everything, just use last year's motivation and, and, and you know, take it to them and, and see what you can do in that regard. So, uh, use last year's game as some motivation. You may have changed my am i muted still no you're good no. okay perfect so you may have changed my key number three uh but i'm gonna go ahead and stick with my key number two since i flashed the paper here and i definitely want to get to this key number two because it's the stat that you spoiled i was going to ask the question of who uh, do you think yes. is the only team in the only team in the sec behind Vanderbilt <laughs> oh, you can stop me total sacks. <laughs> and it, it's georgia uh, they have six sacks on the season. Vanderbilt's coming in hot at number 13 uh, mm. with seven sacks on the year, so dominant at the line of scrimmage. But that's that's a 
a stat you can just point to and say, obviously this Georgia defensive line is a little bit down from last season. And that's a given because you probably had the best defensive line in the history of college football. I think I put it as the best defense in the history of college football, but college football has, yeah, college football historians will, will argue with that. So I'll just say best defensive line. So Vanderbilt always struggles against dominant pass rushers and defensive lines. That's not really Georgia's team this year. They are very, very, very talented. So they may come out and look dominant against Vanderbilt's offensive line. That happens a lot. A lot of times Vanderbilt can be the in-conference turning point for your struggling position. But I, I hope to not see that. So my key number two is to hold your own at the line of scrimmage. Uh, and that is also going to be because Georgia, even though this, you know, this is all splitting hairs at this point, but Georgia's run defense is not quite what it was last season. Uh, they're giving up 3.8 yards per carry. Uh, that's only number 48 in the country last season in 2021. They were giving up 2.6 yards per carry on defense. So it's still a very talented defense. When I get to the other things that you list off their sixth in points per game in the country, yards per point, sixth in the country. So once you move the ball, they're not allowing you to score. So you're having to settle and not get into that red zone. So they've been, but don't break this year. Yards per pass attempt uh, is improved from last season. So their secondary seems to be slightly improved. Defensive line a little bit down. And then Palmer mentioned it, that maybe that O-line has had a little bit of trouble. And, and some of that has had to do with Stetson Bennett uh, playing through some injuries because of that O-line struggling a little bit and, and getting banged up. So the line of scrimmage, while you may see Saturday that Georgia comes out and completely dominates, that would be the first indication of how this game is going to play out is on those first couple drives. Uh, is Vanderbilt able to create any sort of space or any sort of time for Swan to get rid of the ball? Uh, but number one is going to be, is Vanderbilt able to pick up that three-yard game? That, that's the main thing. Because last season, the line collapsed. One yard felt like 10. So you just didn't have Ramon da- or Ray Davis just falling forward. He was injured. Right. You didn't – or yeah, he was injured. You didn't yeah. have that option. So – this year, you have a semi-healthier backfield. Rocco's gone now, which hurts with depth. But the offensive line being able to just create those two, three, four-yard gains and being able to not look at it after the game, look at the box score and say Vanderbilt averaged 1.7 yards per carry and Swan was sacked three times or five times or whatever you want to put the number at. So holding your own at the line of scrimmage can mean – what you need it to mean in relation to your expectations to the game. That is why I kept it very broad because I don't think that there's a number. I don't think there's like Vanderbilt needs to rush for 3.5 yards per game and give up less than four sacks. I don't think that that is necessarily what you look at because there are going to be times that that Georgia talent just overtakes that Vanderbilt offensive line and the lack of depth and they get tired or out of position or whatever it is. But just 75, 80% of plays, whatever it is, just not getting absolutely dominated at the line of scrimmage. And that would be a big step forward from last year. That's not hate. That's motivation. Improve. Just continue to take steps forward, even with the losses that have covered the spread, even, even with those losses. Continue to be more competitive. That's the thing. Every announcer, when a team is getting beaten badly we'll talk about how look at how these guys are going around and hitting for this new coach in his second year or third year and like 90 percent of the time it's absolute bullshit like it's not true like the look players the aren't just gonna stop playing with. yeah like 
look, they're still playing football during the game. <laughs> like these guys that don't normally get to play these second, third series, they're still tackling guys. Look at this freshman like, that's going out there yeah, making play. This freshman that's trying to prove himself to the coaching staff that they're going to evaluate on film the exact same as they evaluate the first quarter. Huh, he's still going out and making plays and running <laughs> the defense? But I think Vanderbilt really has that. I think you see guys in that Alabama game, granted there are times that human nature takes over and you don't maybe make that diving play or take on that that 300-pound offensive lineman uh, pulling from the guard spot uh, <laughs> around the corner. Maybe you don't take him on as aggressively when you're already down 35 points. But a lot of those guys were still hitting. I mean, still hitting guys that maybe weren't the most fun to hit from Alabama. And I really, really mean that. And most of the time, I think that is bullshit. But I think Palmer mentioned it, the buy-in from yeah. the players. I think you trimmed off every bit of fat. I think every single player almost left on that roster has to be one of the personality types that just takes the scoff that people look at you every time you say you play Chip at Vanderbilt. The they take, you, you take that look and that how everybody, I think the most disrespectful thing on the planet is how Vanderbilt's casually referred to. I think that is the most motivated. It's when people don't even realize they're doing it. It's when they're just like, oh, they're playing Vanderbilt. Or you'll see a stat or you'll see something, just a casual highlight. And you have to have a special group of guys that mm -hmm. takes that as like a personal fuck you from like whoever is. And like that, that's either a deterrent or that is the best motivation on the planet. Yep. Is somebody is somebody giving you that look or giving you that little snide comment, like not even not even a diss, like just you're not even worth a diss. You're not even worth me coming up with an insult. Yeah. And so I think that is motivation is just playing them close and not being a joke would be would be a huge step. And I think in their heart of hearts, the players think that way. So got a little off track. But, I, uh, no, I, I, I like it. Will. before you, you lead me to this discussion because I love it. We talk about you got to have a special group of guys that, you know, if you're at Alabama or Georgia, this was a special group of guys. Those James Franklin teams, that's 100% true. That was a special group of guys. Every team, his first team, special group, literally. I mean, you had personalities like Javon Marshall who just wanted to kill you on the football field. You had a receiver like Matthews. And Kenny I think Lyle really do think, yeah, that's what Clark Lee's building. So I love that point, uh, Will. And that's maybe an off-season uh, podcast idea, but I love that. Um, well, number three for me, is uh just I, I didn't write it down i just forgot it uh okay here it is uh it's getting late well number three the sky and came <laughs> up. i just want to if you're not watching the video billy just said i just forgot it <laughs> looked directly up at the ceiling with his eyes and then said got it <laughs> like i don't know if he has stuff written up yeah, here i got it up here on the ceiling that's where it is Something. but uh Looking no will brain <laughs> number three use your vanderbilt degree and be smart and I say that, Will, I haven't, had, I haven't had this as a key. I thought about this right before the episode because you've got one of your most important games, one of your most winnable games coming up on the schedule next week at Missouri. Stay healthy, yes, but also stay out of trouble. We don't need a targeting, a stupid targeting call that takes one of the defensive players out for a first half against Missouri. Or even, I don't know if they have full game suspensions anymore for anything, Will, but don't do anything like that that would create something like that. And I say this only because next week's opponent is Missouri. And, you know, I was going to go the way of uh, don't show Mizzou any wrinkles, but I, I hate saying that. But 
Well, yes, stay healthy. I said that against Alabama. That was more comical than actually uh, a legit key. But against Georgia, well, don't just don't do anything stupid like a targeting or anything like that. But also, offensively, give Missouri something on film where they go, uh oh, we you know we need to watch out. You know, we not that they already know most of what they're prepping for with Vandy, but give them something against a team like Georgia to prep for. Give them a, a Ray Davis run that just knocks the defender's helmet off or, you know, something like that. Uh, you know, a Randy Moss, Will Shepard catch. I mean, put a little bit more on film for Mizzou. I mean, let, let, let Coach Drinkwitz over there stay in the film room for a couple more hours on, on a Wednesday night, you know? And so I think, Will, as a coach, you know, we've, we've never coached football before, but I think common sense comes into, a, into the discussion here. The last team you play, that's the best – piece of film for coaches really now you look at you know okay this team is similar to us so we're going to watch this game but if you're Missouri you're going to throw this Georgia game in and say okay we played this Georgia team we almost beat them how does Vanderbilt match up with them so I think there there's a lot of different things that that you can look at if you're a Vanderbilt fan here and no matter who you're playing you know I think fans game day comes you're you're, you're always excited um, but you know they're an east division opponent will you you said it I mean, that adds, I think, an added element. You know, maybe four or five years ago, this is a more competitive game, but this is where Vanderbilt's at. Go out there and play and see what you got. So, but I look at it from the perspective of, we, we mentioned this Missouri game, Will, before the season started as the most winnable game. I don't know if it's still that for me. I would say South Carolina for me at this point, just because of what Missouri did against Georgia. But there's still, you know, I mean, South Carolina last week just beat Kentucky. So we, we've seen Carolina and Missouri play well and and play higher than you know we thought they could even play against good teams but i still think vanderbilt can pick one of those teams off i think those are the two teams to still do it and it starts next week will and i know you're not looking ahead but fans look ahead <laughs> you look ahead to games and next week is huge this week is not it it it's just not now i you know I don't. I want to get to the point where we're not saying that. Will I want to get to the point where two, three years down the road, this is a Georgia game that we're talking about, and we're saying, okay, here's how Vanderbilt competes. But this week, Will, be smart. No targeting calls. Um, you know, nothing that would hurt you next week. Nothing stupid that would take a player out. Uh, you know, or even cause an injury. You know, something like that. I know a lot of injuries are unlucky, but don't do anything to even injure yourself. So, you know, I'm not saying that's what Clark Lee's telling his guys, but, you know, from a Vandy fan's perspective, show that you can go up there and battle with Georgia to Missouri. Show that to Mizzou so that they, you know, not saying scared, but, you know, they, they have more things on film to worry about. I mean, that, I think that's something big. Will, I, I, I thought a lot about these keys. That it was tough. I mean, it, it was tough against Alabama, but you got to change it up a little bit. You got to spice it up with these keys. Uh, when you play a Georgia team like this. So, uh, Will, put a few more things on film for Missouri, but also, you know, be smart. Don't do anything stupid that would hurt you next week. I like the key number three I've kind of developed throughout this better than what <laughs> I did the same. So what, I'd written, what I had written down, I, I, I stuck true to my number one and number two. There's video evidence, but my number three was three plus 20 yard, quote unquote, explosive plays. Um, and really ah. what I was getting to was, so I've gone on the rant before and I don't need to go on it again about most, especially college football coaches. 
are like IQ level. They're they're high middle school gym teachers, and no offense to middle school gym teachers, thinking <laughs> they're playing chess when they're actually playing checkers. checkers. So like what you want to no, they think they are <laughs> playing chess. This is what I'm getting at. Is Clark Lee does not fall into that category. I think Clark Lee is very intelligent. I think he falls into the the five to ten percent of coaches I put in that other category, uh, but so Missouri's coach, I don't put him in, no. in the five to ten percent no. category. I've heard the man speak. Uh, he's not, and <laughs> if he wants to challenge me, uh, we can do a flashcard style like situational football analysis of give me a time, give me a quarter, give me timeouts, give me opponent, give me score, and I guarantee you. I will be able to break it down and evaluate it better than him. Hell I'll yeah. bet my entire bank account and the entire door report bank account. Literally people know <laughs> that's not that much fun. But getting back to what I was talking about. Hey, we got to take small steps forward, Will. Should throw, should, <laughs> <laughs> small steps, all right? You're not going to get, you're not going to grow year two to become and a half. 24-7 sport. Yeah, this is, here we go. Yeah, and our first year was during the pandemic. So that was uh, or the end, whatever time period, the weird time period. Yeah, whatever. Let's, dude, if I remember what my initial point was, this is going to be impressive. <laughs> and I do. But it's <laughs> but it's it's utilizing Mike Wright. So I know Missouri's coach this entire time and any build up to that week, if Vanderbilt brings in Mike Wright and runs the normal packages like they did last week, is going to be preaching to his players that they are going to think about throwing the football, that he is going to be telling the corners and safety, stay disciplined. Just, But eventually they are going to take a shot with what was their starting quarterback, that they were perfectly fine running the entire offense through. At some point, they're going to throw the ball with them out of this package that they have uh, with Mike Wright, that they're going to slowly utilize more. I think throw the football this week. Let it lose. Right. Put it in there. Put it in their minds that, oh, this isn't something they're saving a special play. They just have plays. He just comes out and you don't know what he's going to do. Right. And even if it doesn't work, he may, if he throws two interceptions, that just adds another thing that Missouri and the staff and the players can't just focus on Vanderbilt's base offense with A.J. Swan and Will Shepard and Ray Davis and Pat Smith and Bresnahan and Schoenwald and McGowan. You can't focus on that because you're thinking about what what plays are they going to be running when they bring in their mobile quarterback and they run this read option style that now has the flair of they're perfectly willing to come out and throw the football 50% of the time with them. I think that adds uh, more of an advantage is having now those additional plays on tape than not throwing the football right. and leaving that as a surprise. Because like I said, coaches like to think they're smart. They like to think that they've risen to the top because of their intelligence and really all it is is have you just hitched your wagon to the right guy on a successful talented team and have you been willing to work for seven thousand dollars a year as a ga and that's really it that's how you become a coach and i've seen it happen it's not a disc it takes a lot of work a lot of time but it's it's time and work it's not intelligence and that is that is why the cream rises to the top and you see dynasties built and there's no parity in college football that's not because of the schools providing more funding. There are plenty of schools that pay a lot of money and still suck. It's because of coaching. So Clark Lee, you said Vanderbilt degree for the players. Be smart and don't get injured. Clark, you have one of those. You're a smart guy. I, I have faith it. that a competent game plan will be created by the staff on offense that will leave plenty on tape for Missouri to evaluate. Yeah, and Will, you mentioned hitch your wagon to the right guy. 
How about AJ Swan is the guy you're hitching your wagon to if you're Clark Lee? That, wow. that That's not too bad. And that's pretty damn smart, too. I mean, it's just – it's starting to come together. Well, I know we're previewing Georgia, but you're – and even quicker than we thought. I mean, let's face it. Like, we're sitting here previewing Georgia, and we're this positive. I mean, you know – I think we're more keeping it positive. I, I think the season can turn drastically. I, I think that the beginning of this year and we are giving leeway at three and four, the last five games of this season, there will be a lot more criticism than you have heard uh, throughout because this season will be made or, or destroyed. If they come out and they get absolutely shellacked four out of the last five games and compete in one of the games against their remaining SEC opponents, I mean, we're going to be looking at yeah, saying yeah. this at the end of the but, year. So I think that there is, there are signs but it's still a show me to me. It is still yeah. a show me thing. You've shown me a little bit by beating the teams you were supposed to beat. Now show me that you can come out and beat a team that maybe individually is more talented than you. Maybe one of these upcoming sec opponents show me I'm, I've, I've seen that there's been a baby step, but is there a big step that's happened this year? You'll find that out. Isn't, isn't Missouri the show me state? Well, I, I think it is, or is it, am I yeah, wrong? Maybe. I okay. Interesting uh, timing there with Vandy playing Mizzou next week, but well, I, I'll say this on paper, other than Tennessee, every game left on your schedule and maybe Kentucky, but I don't think Kentucky is, is necessarily at Tennessee's level other than Tennessee and maybe Kentucky. That is Missouri. I'm yeah. impressed. Though. Okay. There you go. Um, but other than Tennessee and maybe Kentucky will th- those, every other game, at least from my perspective is winnable. And I think to even be saying that right now, and, and yeah, talk is cheap, yada, yada, yada. But I think that's just where we're at. And I am with you, though, Will. I, I think we've agreed on surprisingly everything, I feel like, this year. I mean, other than maybe Mike Wright, AJ early on, I mean, we've agreed on pretty much everything. So I'm with you in that. But I didn't expect to be sitting here at 3-3 three and three at this point in the season before, you know, in our preview pod, I said, you know, I think they can get to three wins, but I also don't like that prediction of mine <laughs> yeah I didn't like it but they go down on the road and beat NIU I, you know and so that's where we're at Will but uh Vandy Georgia coming up we've got predictions well we've got to get to predictions I'll start uh well let's face it Georgia Georgia will dominate this game I think we both agree on that uh it's going to be very similar to Alabama um you know I, I pick Vandy to barely cover against Alabama I'm I'm sick of picking Vandy to cover they, every time I pick Vandy to cover, it fails miserably. Uh, I'm not making that mistake again this week. I think Georgia rolls at home. Uh, final score, Georgia 48, Vandy 3. I don't think Vandy gets on the board. I want to. I don't want to believe that, but Georgia's defense is, is as, as advertised, and they're just as good as Alabama, maybe slightly worse, but we're splitting hairs there. So uh, it's going to be tough for Vandy Will to establish anything offensively. And on Georgia's offense, I mean, they, they're they they're better than they were last year, which is scary. I mean, Brock Bowers is another year older. They've got another freak show tight end. The guy, Darnell Washington's like 6'7", 280 pounds. I mean, it's ridiculous. The, the freaks they've got, they've got a three-headed monster at running back. So um, it, it's this is the old Alabama. It, it, it really is. Alabama is a new modern style version of themselves. This Georgia program, Kirby Smart has just built the next Alabama and, and, you know, Saban, I'm not saying he's declining, but let's face it. He'll probably retire here in the next couple years. So smart Kirby smart was smart in going to Georgia and developing 
what uh, what Saban did at Alabama. Uh, so, well, I, I just I don't see Vandy coming remotely close to stopping Georgia's offense. Uh, they'll be able to do what they want. Um, you know, maybe it's a game. Will if there's if you know if there's a glimmer of hope, maybe maybe Georgia just starts off not great, kind of a sleepwalk like Ole Miss did last year. You know, I don't see this happening. But if there's a glimmer of hope, I think maybe that's your opportunity. But then again, we thought Alabama was sleepwalking at first, and they were up fourteen nothing. You know, after you know the first first quarter, I'm almost positive. So, well, it. It's just, you know, it's hard to evaluate games like this. It's hard to preview games like this. But at the end of the day, there is still a goal out there for Vanderbilt. As I talked about, put a touchdown on the board. Prove me wrong and put a touchdown. Lose 48-10 to 10 instead of 48-3. to 3. Yeah, you know, from the nation's perspective, you're splitting hairs. Like, oh, Vandy got destroyed. You know, we can't respect them yet. But from your fans' perspective, I think, you know, just make it a somewhat respectable. Uh, so, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think Georgia dominates Will 48 to three. Uh, so that's my pick and, uh, I'm sticking to it. This has been a tough one, uh, honestly. Really? So, yeah, because in I terms think of covering, on, yeah. in in terms of just, you said splitting hairs, but we all know there's a massive difference sometimes in some victories that are like 52 to 21, there are huge differences in those games when they're 45 to three going into the fourth quarter and late uh, the opponent kind of, you know, makes it look better at the end versus right. a real uh, score. Like you had against Ole Miss last week, which is right. that, that was a real 52, 28. That mm-hmm. was real. So Georgia, when you look on paper, the reason Alabama, I think, you know, we expected the offense to do a little, little more maybe i don't know it, what it, i don't even remember what we predicted for alabama honestly but I, I know we i picked, picked vandy to cover i think it was 45 to 10 and yeah and it, it failed miserably so i, I just yeah, so I, alabama do that again. yeah they make their their money in the passing game especially when bryce young is healthy pass rush linebacker george is the opposite they've they've got a running game tight ends uh they've got a really good secondary with, you know, a very talented defensive line, but not necessarily with the best production so far this season and very talented linebackers, but same uh, with some individual guys that have performed really, really well, but as a unit. And then this offense from Georgia, they like to run the ball and they're very good at it. But what did you even see against Ole Miss that Vanderbilt struggled with so much? It was still the big plays through the passing game and yeah. guys getting behind Vanderbilt. That's not really what Georgia's going to do with five foot 11 Stetson Bennett, former walk on at quarterback, because he can't throw the ball uh, that far and, and see over the offensive line and make through and, the and George is banged up at receiver. Yes. And they, you don't have the explosive playmakers on the outside. And I'm hating on Stetson Bennett a lot, just because I you are on somebody <laughs> and he already has a national championship. So he has plenty of confidence, but I just like, you know, I have to pick he's somebody. Easy. He's, very, I, he's very, he's very older. On. It's like, I like to pick somebody that's like really close to my age too. So it's like, <laughs> no, I'm not going to pick on like an 18, 19 year old freshman. I'll pick on Stetson. Bennett. Like he's got a, his hairline. The deliver- what do they call like, him? Yeah. The mailman? Yeah. But, so, What's did you give us run game? No, I haven't. I haven't gotten there yet, Billy. You keep commenting and getting me going and fired up late. But uh, all right, I'll shut up. White ball, I see it. Yeah, maybe we'll get sponsored. <laughs> but Georgia, Georgia is going to milk the clock. They have a bye week coming up. Uh, they're not known for explosive plays, and they don't have a good pass rush. I don't think we've hit on that enough. They only have six sacks on the whole year. That is Vanderbilt's number one 
Achilles heel is any team that has a very, very good pass rush is just forget about it. So Georgia's run defense, a little bit lesser and their pass rush, definitely big time down from last year, uh, but their secondary's improved. So I like Vanderbilt to keep this one a little closer. Uh, I think that early Georgia's going to have some drives that are just dominant, but I think with the team that's run first, as long as Vanderbilt can prevent the explosive downfield passes, that is what has killed them. Giving up one or two big runs just doesn't have the same feel to it of like, oh shit, here we mm-hmm. go again. So I'm going to, I'm going to have, I've bounced around a few points, but in the end you're splitting hairs. Uh, I'm going to go Georgia 45, Vanderbilt 13. Okay. 13 points on the board for the doors down in. I think that, I think that they, they can hit one, one play in the run game or the Mike Wright package. I think they, if they can hit one big explosive play, I think they'll be able to move it a little bit, a little bit more consistently get into Bullivis range, that 20 mm-hmm. to 35 yard yard marker on, on the Georgia side of the field. That's going to be the gold spot for Vanderbilt to make, make my prediction happen. So Joe Bullivis, he could be your MVP in that cover uh, for Vanderbilt, Will. So, but Mike Wright package, that's something we haven't talked about a whole lot, Will. Mike Wright's we, package. We, <laughs> we haven't had to though. I mean, we, you know, last week we said, yeah, we could see it. But I think this week, even more, you know, maybe maybe you want to give A.J. a little bit of a break uh, against Georgia's defense. But, you know, then again, he played the entire Alabama game. So you know, I think that's another something to watch if you're a Vandy fan looking, um, you know, I don't know how long you're going to stay watching this game. But I think that's something to watch. You know, you could see a little bit of Mike Wright uh, in that Mike Wright rushing package. So I thought they used it great against Ole Miss, too, Will. Perfect. Perfect times in the game. So there's our predictions. I don't have Vandy covering. Will does. So uh, one of us will be right and one of us will be wrong. That'll be fun. Eternal be- optimist <laughs> here. <laughs> that, that, that's, that, we've got something to watch now, Will. We've got something to keep an eye on in this game as we do uh, every week. But, Will, let's get to Palmer Toms. He covers Georgia for Dogs HQ, uh, courtesy of On3 Sports. He's a Nashville native. So he actually went to Montgomery Bell Academy. So same high school as Clark Lee. So he, he respects Vanderbilt. He, he knows what Clark Lee's trying to build. So I thought that was more of a unique perspective, uh, Will, from a writer like him. But he also talked about some of Georgia's weaknesses and, and kind of Stetson Bennett's path to, to where he is now. So, uh, Will, I thought it was interesting catching up with Palmer. And he gave us kind of a glance in it this season. You know, he talked about the, the first three games dominant and then the Missouri game, Will. So I thought this was a, a great discussion. Yeah, it- Spoil, spoil of riches, I would say. I mean, just how spoiled Georgia fans are when you when you go on the message boards, the things they complain the about. At the beginning, I was like, I bet you're busy. You said, yeah, I'm, I'm so busy, man. I was like, at least you get to see some wins here. I mean, you're covering Georgia, man. Yeah, and he was talking about, like, whatever they haven't lost since or they won the national championship and these other podcasts are taking credit or he his podcast was taking credit, and I was like, we can't really say that. Because we haven't seen an SEC win since we started this podcast, and we've had 185 episodes. So, How like, that? man, dude, I I think we have to pull out all the stops whenever it does happen, dude. Honestly, I mean, we are. We, we need to. We are in rare. It is almost. Well, like here's we what I'm. Here's what. Here's what we're doing. At this point. After after the first Vandy win, if it's this year, we're doing it in person, and we're picking out our favorite whiskey. What and we're celebrating. I mean, we, we have to, we, Here, we have I to think what that. we do, I think we plan this out. We will have a special episode when it happens and we will have to go through every sec game that has happened since 
and just click <laughs> go through real quick and run down the list of every game and just have our memories since the pre most recent win all the way to that one. And we'll have, we'll have, that'll be our first I, I in feel person bad. with a bottle of liquor and I, we'll get to evaluate <laughs> all the fun times that I, have been had. In I already time. feel, I already feel bad for the team we beat because I mean, oh. we're going we're gonna to clown them, but also, I mean, you'll that, see Vanderbilt Twitter out in a way that I don't think I, me and you even know exists. And it's going to be the best, it's going to be the best form of Vandy Twitter, the, the cynical, uh, you know, comedy from Vandy Twitter about, you know, when they win an SEC game, yeah, it's going to be a lot of jokes, but Vandy Twitter is going to come out and they're going to, it's have like dude, people right? make fun of Vandy Twitter. I'm like, you are poking a sleeping giant because <laughs> Vanderbilt has kind of a very small little Twitter you know accounts that tweet about them but it's really good stuff if you get like nestled into it and it's a little bit bigger than i think you realize that the the reach of the vanderbilt twitter but all of this has been built with literally nothing outside of uh, you know baseball but nothing none of the main stuff in men's basketball and football they've all sucked you've given vanderbilt fans nothing to work with like we have nothing dude like it is tough getting into the arguments because like literally any football you get historical to a point thing where you just you don't have anything else. You, you, no I don't have any. Like tank. I am really good at spinning facts and spinning things and taking time periods. But and even you get to a point where you even can't. I get to a point that I'm like, yeah, dude, for like you're a better, you're better. <laughs> just, just in general, like it all comes down to I'm that. I'm sick like of this. Every statistical thing you can name for the past 50 years, every <laughs> single SEC program has been better in almost every sport outside of baseball and men's golf and women's bowling. So, like, you've given us nothing to work with. So, watch the fuck out when <laughs> Vanderbilt Twitter gets any type of success oh, I'm, I'm in the Clark Lee area. It's going to be a dangerous time for other SEC fan bases out well, there. And the I wittiness think, and darkness within yeah, us. I think you just Vandy, can't fake it, and we have it like no one else. I think Vandy fans will connect uniquely to Clark Lee, unlike Bobby Johnson did, unlike Franklin did, unlike Mason. Now, Franklin connected, but Clark Lee, I think, to a deeper emotional level for a lot of Vandy people because he went through that. He went through hell with Bobby Johnson and now he's back coaching. So that's another discussion point. Well, also Bobby picked up a pretty tough Bobby Johnson recruited right, in a yeah. lot of the guys. I don't that know Matthew about hell, sold. but I think that this is what I was like. Nineties was this giant down, just very plummet. slow. And then Johnson built it, built it, like built this he built nice foundation brick by brick. Franklin. He built this foundation, pulling them out of the depths of hell. And then Franklin booted up. When Franklin left, he sent him back a little bit, and then Mason built him back up a little bit. So Clark, Clark Lee's doing the same thing that level, Bobby Johnson did. Except Clark is trying and appears to be doing it at a lot faster pace yes. and with a lot more, not just this is a good, you know, this is Bobby Johnson. He seemed yeah. like a great man. I don't know. I was young. Who knows? But he's just a good old boy. And, like, you send yeah. your son here. He's going to play football for an honest program. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'm not saying Clark Lee's not honest, but, like, yeah, there were no illusions that Bobby Johnson was going to, like, completely change the face of Vanderbilt football. And I think Clark Lee, you have that potential with. And it doesn't just mean figuratively. You are literally, literally. since he has been there, and Candace Story Lee has been there, you're changing. You've changed the logo. You've changed the lit- the name of the field. So like everything <laughs> is changing. Stadium. So it's not yeah. just building the base. You're doing, yeah, the whole stadium. You're doing everything at right. once. So I think there's this connection of like, he knew what he was getting into going here. 
And I think that there is an understanding of having former student athletes may really being involved yep. at Vanderbilt and understanding what it's so unique because Nashville is not a college town. And that is the part that is 95%, 98, 99% of power five teams, even the ones that are not powers, they're still the main show in town, even no matter what, the only show in town kind of nothing. Yeah. They're the only show in town. That's everywhere. Like Tennessee, like they are Knoxville. Like if you took Tennessee out, like Knoxville sucks. Like it's a piece of shit. (laughs) Like everybody knows it. And so, like, Nashville's not that way. Like, Vanderbilt's just another thing. There are, like, five universities, six universities on top of everything else in Nashville. So that's just so unique is the focus of where you're located. Every The local radio, it's not all built around you because there's an NFL team. There's a AAA baseball team. There's an MLS team. There's five other college programs going Mm -hmm. on around here. And you're in the state of Tennessee, surrounded right in the middle of the SEC, where you have this conglomeration of melting pot. You're you're battling so many different things. And I think that there's just this feeling for the first time that even if it doesn't work out, there's like steps in the direction that the people that know what are going on or know what's been going on, like steps are being taken in the right path. Yeah. And in the past, and in the past, it just felt like the administration was, you know, just being hired out of an executive search firm uh, somewhere by the university and just like plug and play. And you, you've been an AD here and I'll come be an AD here. And like we've said at coaching any Vanderbilt sport, it's a unique challenge because you face unique issues being the only private university and by far the most competitive athletic conference in the country. So that's the end of my rant. We said it wasn't it. going to be beefy, but here we are, Billy. <laughs> here we nice are. But the building blocks are there. That's what that's what we're here to say, Will. And all that to say that our next guest, Palmer Toms, is a guy from Nashville. He mm-hmm. understands the challenge at Vanderbilt, and he's covering Georgia. So, you know, I think that's a little bit of the difference with uh, with Palmer as he uh, is coming up next here on the Door Report to preview Vanderbilt and Georgia coming up. 2.30 p.m. Central Time kick on the SEC Network in Athens, Georgia. You've been listening to episode 185 of The Door Report. Stay tuned for Palmer Toms coming right up. Welcome back into The Door Report. Alongside Will Byram, I'm Billy Derrick, and we roll through our uh, episode 185 here, the Georgia preview as Vanderbilt travels down to Athens on Saturday. Palmer Toms joins us now. He covers Georgia for Dogs HQ, courtesy of On3 Sports. Palmer, before we start with Georgia, I know you guys are, are, are you know, somewhat new over there at On3. And, you know, of course, you've been covering uh, Georgia, I think, ever since you've been a student there early on. What, what's that kind of transition been like for, for you guys? And, and I know you're on the, on the Georgia beat, so, I mean, it, it's, it's always busy. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about that before we started recording. It's always busy, but it, it's it's been really fun. Um, you know, we, we've got a bunch of sites across the network for On3 um, started up in August of 2021. Um, that's when the Georgia site launched uh, and was one of the first three. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of like to take a little bit of credit for breaking Georgia's uh, championship drought. You know, <laughs> Georgia has never not won a championship with Dogs HQ around. Um, so, you know, we like to take a little bit of credit. We've got a Tennessee site taking a lot of credit right now. Uh, they're new. So they're saying, you know, oh, Tennessee's undefeated uh, as, as long as we've been with on three. So, um, you know, I, it's it's been really fun. Um, made the transition over from 24-7 sports two on three uh last year finished out graduated and uh stuck sticking around athens to uh keep covering the dogs it's it's been a really good time 
Well, you're welcome. Billy, I, I didn't want to interrupt that point that he was making, but I don't think we should be judging podcasts and how good they are based on that because since we started this, Vanderbilt hasn't won an <laughs> SEC football game. So I think it goes the opposite direction with us. We have not yet recapped an SEC win. So I don't know if the, we'll get into the keys uh, in this interview here to Vanderbilt accomplishing that against number one Georgia. But you know I what? We We're canceling the door report because we feel like that's going to give Andy a chance this Saturday. Yeah, that's actually what this whole episode is about. Here we go. No, but uh, yeah, that's actually that's true. That's true. What Will just said, though. So maybe, maybe, maybe this season we'll see. But Palmer, let's get into Georgia. They, after dominating the first three games of the season, they quote unquote struggled a little bit uh, against both Kent State and Missouri. Missouri, that was a battle uh, a few weeks ago, but they seemed to regain their footing last week after dominating uh, really a reeling Auburn team with their coach. I mean, who knows when he'll be fired, but how would you describe Georgia's season so far, kind of in a nutshell, the first half of this season? Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of a problem that they've created themselves. Uh, you know, all this build up, all this hype around this team. Uh, was magnified, you know, amplified when, when they went and and beat a, uh, you know, at the time number, I think they were number 11 Oregon team, um, you know, just outside the top 10 there, um, you know, and, and just absolutely dominated them 49 to three um, in a quote unquote neutral site game. It was in Atlanta, um, you know, absolutely more Georgia fans there than, than uh, Oregon folks. But um, you know, great environment. And, and obviously we've seen gone, gone on to see what Oregon has done since then. They are the top ranked one loss team. So by that standard, uh, Georgia with the best win in the country, um, you know, like you said, the narrative out there has been that they've struggled the last couple of weeks, um, you know, a, a big win at South Carolina. Um, but that's that's not a team that's been all that. Um Obviously, the Gamecocks go on the road to beat Kentucky, and so that win looks a little bit better. Uh, you know, beating Kent State looks a lot better because of just the skill set that they've played. Uh, but, you know, Georgia has been a, um, you know, double-digit favorite. It's 17-plus point favorite in every game so far this season. That's not changing this week. Uh, and so I think a lot of fans look at – the perception out there is that they should go out there and they should win these games. They should cover each of these games. They should win them by, you know, 20, 30, 40 points. And that's just not going to happen, especially in the SEC, especially when you go on the road, um, especially when you've got such a young football team like Georgia does, losing 15 players to the NFL draft. Uh, you know, they are still finding their footing. Uh, you know, that certainly was the case uh, against Kent State. They turned the ball over three or four times in that one you're going to play closer games when you do that. And they still won that one by 17. Uh, they turned the ball over twice at Missouri. You, you get off to a slow start on the road. You're going to find yourself in a four-quarter battle, and, and that's exactly what happened. But you know, to me, ultimately, winning is what has mattered for Georgia. The fact that they are 6-0, and um, and, and like you said, felt like they got things back on track a little bit against Auburn. Uh, you know, not the best first quarter. It was tied 0-0. Not the best first half. Stetson Bennett threw for 25 yards, uh, and they were only up 14-0. But to turn it around in the second half, uh, you know, to to go on to win 42-10, to um, you know, they they found their run game. They, they, that's been a problem for them. They answered some, some questions. Uh, and Stetson played a little bit better in that second half, too. I believe he threw for, you know, it was like 15 of, of 19 for 200-something yards, just, just under 200 yards. 
Um, so, you know, certainly a, a turnaround of a second half that Georgia fans are hoping can carry into uh, Vanderbilt and, and on down the road. Yeah, Palmer, thanks for joining, by the way. And uh, you mentioned that the narrative, and I like that. So I actually had that written down as the narrative coming out of last season. Georgia, obviously, pretty successful season, I think, by any metric. Uh, and probably the best defense, arguably, in the history of college football. Uh, I've seen a lot of beatdowns. I've seen a lot of good SEC football teams having season tickets for Vanderbilt over the years since like 2005. And 2019 LSU's offense with Joe Burrow and that defense last year with Georgia, those are the two that stick out in my mind as by far the best sides of the ball on both. So what has it been like transitioning with a narrative kind of hanging over in national media? Not that Georgia's a bad football team, just that they're not as good as last year. But you're comparing to maybe the arguably best defense in, in the history of college football. So how has this team been able to create its own identity and kind of overcome that obstacle? Yeah, that's been a question. That or Kirby, attempt to. That, that, that's been a question that Kirby's been asked quite a few times this week, um, being that we are at the halfway point of the season, of the regular season, that is. Um, and, and, you know, what is the identity of this team? How does that compare? He, he's not big on comparisons, but he did say, you know, the identity of this team is is one that is just gritty. They like going out there. They like practicing. Not that last year's team didn't, but this year's team needs it because they are so young. You look at, uh, you know, the guys that are out there, you know, we, we talk specifically about the defense here. You look at the guys that are out there. They are replacing eight guys that were picked in, in the NFL draft, five first rounders. It's a lot of guys that were not major contributors last year. They might have contributed in, in some way, shape, or form, um, especially with the way that Georgia was able to get up and, and get the starters out of there. These guys did get experience, but they didn't get the experience of, you know, going out there and being relied on and being start, you know, a starter and, and relied on every single down, every single day. So, you know, they've, they've certainly had to grow up. Um, you know, I think that that. Uh, the last couple of weeks have been a growing process. Um, you know, it would not surprise me to see this team continue to be, you know, ride that roller coaster of emotions. They're going to play up. They're going to play down. They're going to play up. They're going to play down. Um, and, and that's just what's going to happen with a young team. Um, you know, but like you said, they are incredibly talented. I mean, the way that Kirby has stacked top recruiting classes on top of, you know, top recruiting classes, you look at this defense and who's out there, it's still four and five stars. It's still incredibly talented players. I mean, you, you've got a freshman starting at safety, but he's a you know five-star top 10 player in the country in Malachi Starks. Uh, you know, the Georgia won, Georgia had a player win freshman of the year last year, and Starks has a strong chance to win it again this year. Uh, he's the team leader in interceptions, team leader in, in pass breakups, second on the team in tackles. Uh, first on the team in tackles is Jamon Dumas Johnson, who's just a sophomore, did not play his senior year of high school football. That was canceled in Maryland due to COVID. Uh, and, and so he's continuing to grow. He didn't play a ton last year because he was behind three guys that are now in the NFL. Um, same thing with Smile Munden, who, who's you know third on the team in tackles. Those two guys uh, have grown up into big leadership roles. Uh, they've established themselves. And, and then it doesn't hurt to have really good players around them, guys that were really good players last year. I mean, Jalen Carter is a potential top 10, top five pick in the NFL draft. Um, obviously, he's been banged up here a little bit, probably not going to play on Saturday, but having him doesn't hurt. Christopher Smith is a guy that has started for 
two, three seasons now. That doesn't hurt. Keely Ringo, Nolan Smith, those guys were five stars, number one players at their position. Nolan Smith was the number one player in the country in 2019. So to have guys like those guys along with the guys that are growing, it's we're seeing a Georgia product on defense that is not that big of a drop-off from last year. Uh, you know, they're probably a little bit less consistent, but they are certainly just as talented. So that's the defense. Let's go to the offense. And they're, they're led by a quarterback in Stetson Bennett, who before this, this season, I mean, this, this guy just won a national title and, and I mean, his story is a movie. It's ridiculous. And he still has people doubting him heading into this season. And yeah, you could argue reasonably so that he was led by that defense, but he's proven the doubters wrong this year. I mean, his, his stats are ridiculous. Only one interception. I mean, he, he's taken care of the football. So Palmer, th- so far this season, how would you evaluate Stetson Bennett's play? And do you believe, I know this was talked about after the first few weeks, but do you believe he has a case to maybe be considered a Heisman Trophy contender kind of down the stretch of this season? He's got to step it up uh, if that's going to be the case, because there's obviously a lot of really talented players around the country and he hasn't played his best football the last couple of weeks. Um, this this Georgia offense hasn't played their best football the last couple of weeks. But if he is able to return to the form that he had those first three weeks, I mean, throwing for multiple, accounting for multiple touchdowns in all of those games, um, you know, certainly could could be a Heisman contender. Uh, he's got the story that, that everybody loves, and, and he's going to have a stage to do it on. Uh, as you look ahead on Georgia's schedule, obviously Kirby wouldn't do this, but if you look ahead, they've, they've got a huge rivalry game against Florida. That's always going to draw eyes. Uh, you know, Tennessee is, is in November. That November stretch that they have of Tennessee at Mississippi State at Kentucky – uh, is is incredibly tough and that is three of the last four games of the season um, so he's gonna be on stages where if he performs like he did in the first half of the season uh, he, he, you'll certainly see his name there right now I don't think you're gonna see his name there and that is because of that up and down nature of uh, of of Stetson's play you know we talked about you know the young guys being up and down well, Stetson has been a little bit up and down too. And, you know, I think some of that has to do with, um, you know, he, this Georgia offense has been beat up, um, you know, top pass catcher, uh, well, top wide receiver, not top pass catcher, but top wide receiver, A.D. Mitchell uh, is is out right now. Um, he's been battling injuries since, uh, you know, first, first series of the second game. Um, so, you know, Georgia hasn't had him since Oregon. Um, you know, they, they, they didn't need him against South Carolina because they had a guy like Brock Bowers uh, and, and they've found other ways to win. Um, but Stetson certainly can improve. He's probably a little bit banged up, Kirby told us. Uh, and, and if you watch the rerun, watch the game on CBS this past week, they were talking about Stetson being a little bit banged up, dealing with a shoulder issue. It's not something that's going to keep him out, but it's something that he is, is certainly on his mind. Uh, he, he's got to stay on the sidelines, stay warm, stay throwing the football. Um, so that that's probably affected him a little bit. And, and you know, not having some of those top pass catchers, uh, you know, certainly hasn't helped either. So I was going to ask a pretty basic question of where are some areas of concern on, on defense and on offense, but I think I'm going to flip it on its head. So are there any areas on this Georgia team that you would say are improved from an undefeated national championship run last season? That's mm-hmm. a scary question. That's a tough one. It's not one you prep for. 
No, it's not. Um, and, and, and I would say um, the tight ends, which is really scary. Uh, like you said, Billy, um, you know, when you had a guy like Brock Bowers last year, uh, go win, go, go win SEC freshman of the year, go win national freshman of the year. Um, you know, I think that he's gotten better. I think that, I think that Stetson has gotten better. Um, you know, Stetson is certainly a lot more comfortable. Um, and, and like I said, he hasn't played his best football, but he's certainly capable of more this season. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, those first couple of games, um, you know, you, you really saw what Stetson was capable of. So I would say Stetson has improved. Um, you know, he's, he's very comfortable in this offense. Now he's got a lot of veteran playmakers around him. He's got an, a, an offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin that understands him, that understands his, his strengths, his weaknesses. Georgia doesn't want to put the ball in the air 40 times with Stetson Bennett. Um, you know, they, they, they don't want to throw it too far downfield. They'd rather, you know, when you've got playmakers like Kenny McIntosh in the backfield, uh, Brock Bowers, you know, at the line of scrimmage, Lab McConkey is a guy that it's incredibly shifty. Uh, you want to get the ball to those guys as quickly as possible and let them make plays. And and as I mentioned, those tight ends and, and the improvement that they've made, Darnell Washington is so much better this year. What a what uh, a freak he is. And he's yeah, he is a freak. The, both those tight ends are freaks. Um, you know, to see a guy that's that big, 6'7", 270 is what he's listed at, but I think he's probably closer to 280, uh, 275, 280. And, and to see him get up in the air like he has, I mean, he's hurdled, feels like countless defenders every time he touches the ball. Uh, you know, that's that's scary. And so as Stetson has gotten comfortable, as these these playmakers around him have gotten comfortable uh, you know, that they, they are certainly finding ways to use those guys. Um, but will, I will answer your, your first, your original question there where Georgia, you know, might want to improve and, and on both sides of the ball. I mean, I think that uh, it, it's the play at the line of scrimmage. Um, you know, the, the offensive line has, has not been, uh, you know, has not been at its best. They had their best game this past week. So, you know, maybe they've turned it around, but they certainly didn't play all that great against Kent State. They certainly didn't play well for the first three quarters of that Missouri game. Now they turned it around in the fourth quarter and rushed for 100 yards, and then they turn it around against Auburn. They carry that momentum with them and rush for nearly 300. Uh, you know, there. So has has that turned? Maybe. Uh, you know, I, I think that this Georgia team needs to get healthier, and that's not something that you can necessarily do uh, while you're continuing to play games. Uh, and, and, you know, it doesn't necessarily pertain to this game, but the bye week comes at the perfect time for Georgia uh, with, with those games that are after, like I said, Florida, Tennessee, Mississippi State, Kentucky. Georgia's got to be healthy if they want to play at their, their, their you know, best, their, their fullest potential in those games, and, and they've got to get healthy, uh, you know, here. So I, I think that Kirby would love nothing more than to get up and get the starters out of this game and then get them more wet rest during the bye week. Uh, but, you know, obviously you've, you've still got a football game to play before you can even start to think about uh, resting up and, and preparing for that tough stretch. Obviously, Palmer, last year's Vanderbilt-Georgia game was a demolition derby uh, at Vanderbilt Stadium. I mean, it was it was no contest from the very beginning. Um, and Vanderbilt fans, I think, are sitting here wondering, will it be any different this year? I mean, we'll see. But I want to go back to the Auburn team that Georgia saw last week. How, After seeing that game, how do you compare that Auburn team as opposed to this Vanderbilt team? Because 
right now, I mean, we've seen Vanderbilt ahead of Auburn in several different power rankings in the SEC. So, I mean, is this matchup that much different? Or do you think, um, you know, do you think Vanderbilt has, you know, somewhat of a path of, of making it closer or more competitive than Auburn did last week? You know, I, I, to me, I think the biggest difference between those two teams is, uh, and, and Billy, you mentioned this in the Q&A that we ran over on Dogs HQ, um, the buy-in that, that Clark Lee has from this Vanderbilt team. I don't know that Brian Harson has that right now at, at, at Auburn. So, um, you know, you, you're seeing a team at Auburn that's that's struggling. You're seeing a Vanderbilt team that's that's growing. I mean, to win three games, to surpass your season expected season win total as early as they did. And, and it's been mentioned before, but their three losses have come to top 15 teams. They've played back-to-back top 10 teams, and they're going to play another one this week. So it's really hard. That'd be hard on anybody, uh, but it's especially hard on a program that is trying to turn things around like Vanderbilt is. And, and so, um, you know, I, I think the buy-in that, that Clark Lee has uh, is certainly – a plus for Vanderbilt in this game. Um, you know, I would probably say Auburn's talent was, was, was a little bit better. Um, but you know, you, you've got a young, both teams have young quarterbacks. Uh, both teams have uh, playmakers on, on both sides of the ball. Uh, that Those playmakers have just got to be a little bit better than Georgia's playmakers. And, and they've got to shine. I mean, they've got to shine. I, I think of a game, a, a guy like, uh, Anthony Orgy there, he's got to shine on defense like Zach Cunningham did in, in 2016. Um, you know, if, if, if Vanderbilt wants to have a chance, um, you know, on offense, you've, you've got to have, uh, you know, playmakers, somebody has to be a standout, whether that's AJ Swan, Will Shepard, somebody else, one of those running backs that's, that's continuing to grow in that running back room. Somebody has to shine uh, on, on both sides of the ball for Vanderbilt. Um, if they're going to make this one closer, um, because there's no doubt Georgia has a talent advantage. Georgia had a talent advantage over Auburn. Uh, it was probably a little bit smaller of a ta- talent advantage over Auburn, but not all that smaller. Uh, and, and but the buy-in advantage, uh, you know, Vanderbilt definitely has that over Auburn. Well, that, that's that's how you know he's a Nashville guy paying Clark Lee and Vanderbilt the, the respect they deserve. Salute yeah, you to you, Palmer. That. Salute. <laughs> I love it. Hey, let's get to your prediction here. Of course, Vanderbilt traveling to Athens. That is a 230 central kick on the SEC network. Well, he's not a color analyst, so we can get his prediction. We, we started the year <laughs> off go. with a couple color analysts on the team's radio network, so we weren't able to get their pick. But Palmer, l- let's hear it for, uh, for Saturday, Georgia and Vandy. So I haven't thought about it all too much. Um, you know, it's a specific score. Um, but I, I do know, and, and we'll we'll get, dive into staff predictions over at Dogs HQ tomorrow. Um, I know the line is 38 and a half. Last I checked, um, at least that's what the line that we're picking it against. Um, and man, I have a, I, I I didn't think Georgia would cover against Auburn last week. Um, I just think that they are not consistent enough of of a football team to pick them to cover those big spreads. Um, and, and and the Auburn spread was much smaller than than this one. Um, so Georgia has not covered a 30-plus point spread this year. Um, and I'll say that one continues. I, I, I think they're probably going to win by like 35. Uh, but 38 and a half is a lot of points. You, you really got to win this game by 40-plus. Um, and, and I just 
again, I, I, I said it, mentioned it earlier, Georgia has the bye week after this. They would love nothing more than to get up and get out, get out their guys. Uh, and, and, you know, it, it comes on the, the second team guys to tack on, to keep that up. Um, I, I think that they win and they win big. I'll probably say, um, let's say Georgia 41, Vanderbilt 6. Okay, there it is from Palmer, giving it right to us. The pick for this Saturday's Georgia-Vandy game. I don't think there's as much motivation to run off the score as there was last year. There's a little bit of motivation last year. Uh, Georgia's fine. They, they, there's there's no extra motivation uh, this, this time around. Palmer, really appreciate uh, you joining us here, and uh, good luck your coverage uh, this weekend in Athens. Of course, man.